Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places close to our home. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Hey, Julie. Hey, Arthur. Where are we going today? We're going to the beautiful place of Venice. Venice. Venetia. (laughs) What else do they call it? Today, we're going to Venice, Italy. Venice is one of the most popular Italian cities for tourists like us at the time. Even with all the other beautiful, beautiful spots in Italy, this by far was, in the places that we had traveled, we were in Rome, and we walked off the train walked through, I don't even know what it was. It was a building of some sort of train station. I think the train station. We walked out and it was stunningly beautiful. Like another world. Yeah, It it was unbelievable. The city of water is so spectacular because of its unusual circumstances. It's sitting as a part of more than 100 small islands which are connected by over 400 bridges. It's hard to comprehend. There are basically no roads. It's mainly a place where you travel by boats on these very confusing canals that the boats navigate through or by walking. Mm -hmm. No cars. There are no cars. And it's not... Even possible, I think, well, to have cars. On you know, I guess, I guess. I mean, for the most part, there's no cars. We'll talk about where we stayed, where there actually were cars, but it's um, not on uh, the Grand Canal area, though. right? On the main area of Venice, <clears throat> right? It's boats or your feet, right? Right. So there is a lot of walking that you do if you really want to explore the area, and it was just it was just unique to us. It was so amazing and. I mean, everywhere we looked was just this unique beauty mm-hmm. that surrounded you. I, I loved it. I, I think it was by far one of the most favorite things we did in Italy was visiting the city of water. Yeah. So we're going to take you through a number of the sites that we saw when we visited Venice. We've got a, a several of them. But before we do that, we'll let you know how it is that we got there. So if you've been listening to our past episodes on our trip to Italy, we stayed for quite a while in Rome and we would make our trip to Venice from Rome via train. That journey took three hours and 40 minutes. And then as you mentioned, Julie, you know, we stepped out of the train station into this wonderland, just spectacular. And we'll, we'll try to describe as we go through this, what it is that we saw But one of the things that was different was the transportation. And instead of taxis and cars, we had to get around with water transport. And the way you do that there is you get a water pass. So Venice has what's called the Vaporetti or water buses that are operated by the local transit authority. You can either get a single fare ticket, a tourist travel card, or a tourist pass to ride them. 
the tourist travel cards offer a better value than a standard ticket, especially if you're going to be there for several days, which was our case. We were there for three to four days. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can get those tickets for the Vaporetti from outlets that you're going to find around some of the stations in the area. They're available at vending machines, newsstands, and even through the AVM Venezia app. But I'm told that you'll want to do some reading about getting your pass through an app before you take that plunge. So I would read about that online before you take that option. Now, our lodging was on the island of Lido, which is about the furthest journey away from the main, from where the train station was by boat. So every time that we would journey from the main part of Venice to our hotel in Lido, that was about a 40-minute boat ride. Mm -hmm. So we got a chance to experience the water, which was magnificent, several times. Yeah, it never got old. Never got old. Yeah. And when we landed there, again, you know, you mentioned, you know, we stepped out, saw this magnificent thing, which was the Grand Canal. That is the main tourist area of Venice as you walk out of the train station. And like I said, you walk out and you immediately are hit by all these beautiful waterways. And that main waterway is called the Grand Canal. Here, you see the most amazing Venetian architecture with its approximately around 50 palazzis, which are, from my understanding, they were homes or little palaces that were built in that area. And there are six churches that also line this canal. There are even more of these hidden treasures within this area, especially if you start exploring and you start going through the alleyways and the and the back streets of this Grand Canal area. It's just, it's very mysterious. Yeah. And you get a great sense of adventure with it. So when we first got on the boat for the very first time in Venice, what's your memory of that? Because I have a very distinct memory. Two things that come well, to mind. Well, the, my first memory is being able to take a boat ride and travel on water like that as one of its main transports was extremely fascinating for me. I was a little bit in awe of that being, you know, that's how people get around from island to island. It was amazing to me. But, you know, other than that, I don't remember. Two things come to mind. One is before we took this trip, we would have seen certain episodes of the Rick Steves show where he was in Italy and in Venice. So I had seen the images on TV through the years. There's all kinds of things we would have seen where there would have been the images of Venice. But I, I remember being on the boat. There's a smell of the water. Ocean water. The, the wind you know, rushing through our hair brushing against our faces as we're making our way on the water. There was something about being there that just made it come to life in a way that it felt so different to me than what I imagined. It looks impressive enough when you view it on a show or when you see it in a movie, but it's one of those places, and we say this so often when we actually go someplace, being there is a whole different different experience and this was one of the places that I felt that in the biggest way ever. Yeah. Well, for me that that was the experience of seeing the canal boats with the tourists on them they're going through all the little 
canals, the tiny ones, the little yeah. canals and going through. That's what I pictured as Venice. Yeah. And we so saw when it. I saw it, that was that it made real moment for me. It was like, wow. There was kind of like this excitement. Oh, yeah. Definitely. To, to the whole thing. The other thing I remember, too, is just this thought that, if, you know, when you go to Venice, and, and we weren't so much plagued by this, but because you're... You're getting on from these narrow walkways onto the boats and then back somewhere else and you don't have cars. This would be a place that it probably pays to minimize your luggage because the more luggage you have, the more you're going to be lugging it from the walkways over the whatever the walkway thing is that you get on to the boat. And then you got to find a place for it on the boat and it's just cumbersome. So well, we saw that. We saw people. We did. And we saw some of them almost like struggling mm-hmm. and having some difficulty. So packing light, especially in a place like Venice, will serve you well, I think. So after the Grand Canal, the leading tourist attraction in Venice is the Piazza San Marco. And if you've seen images of Venice, front and center is going to be this famous plaza. So the piazza is the city's main public square, and it's the only true large piazza in all of Venice. It contains the city's most famous buildings, including St. Mark's Basilica, which we'll talk about. You also have the Doge's Palace, the Campanile, or the Basilica's Bell Tower, The square was established in the 9th century, and Napoleon once called it the world's most beautiful drawing room. The square is also the lowest point in Venice, so at times when the city experiences high water, this is the first place that gets flooded. And I've seen images over the years where there's just water. There might even be people walking there, but there there could be water up to their waist Mm -hmm. if you can get that bad. These high waters happen several times every year. So hopefully if you visit Venice, you can avoid what they call the aqua alta during your visit. Well, is aren't they seasonal? I think so. Like the rainy seasons and yeah, so it's, probably. it's seasonal. So you just kind of have to research yeah, probably when like they usually happen. When the rain season happens, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. The other thing that's very special in the piazza is the nightlife. It's particularly special in the place comes to life in a very wonderful way. So we had spent several nights walking around the piazza and you've got... There's so much going on. There's like restaurants and you know, places you can eat and drink along the sides. There's multiple live music bands and performers where you can just sit and enjoy the music. We spent one night listening to... There was a band playing tango music. You've got the accordions and you know people singing... It was just wonderful. There was one night we were there, and I believe it was a tourist group. I think it was a choral singers, but they were tourists. And in the middle of the square, they just broke out into song, and it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And we've got that on one of our videos. Mm-hmm. But a few things that are worth noting is the rules of Piazza San Marco include that it's forbidden to eat and drink in the piazza, unless you're actually in one of the formal drinking and eating areas. So there's no like walking around and drinking and eating. Also, it's forbidden to throw rubbish in the piazza and it's forbidden to feed the pigeons. So abide by the rules. They want it clean. Yeah. And they don't want thousands of pigeons there. And of course you can have water to drink. 
That's fine. Yeah. And when we were there enjoying some of the music, you are going to pay a service charge to sit and listen to the music. But given the environment that you're in, I think it was well worth it. It's just a great experience. One of the big attractions in this Piazza San Marco is Basilica San Marco or St. Mark's Basilica. It is one of the leading tourist attractions in Venice right after the piazza and it has an amazing display of Byzantine architecture with spectacular gold mosaics and a just immense amount of sculptures and assorted relics from different times and eras and it was a basilica that was consecrated all the way back in 832 AD. A long time ago. Oh my goodness, I can't even imagine. The basilica was constructed as a home for the bones of St. Mark the Evangelist, whose remains were stolen from Alexandria, Egypt, by two Venetian merchants who smuggled the saint's bones past Muslim customs officials by stuffing them into a barrel of pork in 828 AD. The bones of St. Mark have been housed on this site since the 11th century. I guess that's the way the smugglers used to do it back in the day. I guess they're trying to save his bones from uh, being just dispersed and destroyed. Yeah. And, yeah. So we actually toured St. Mark's Basilica, and there's a museum in there that was really fascinating. We entered through the loft that overlooked the inside of the church, and the church itself, oh my goodness, it was beautiful and it had these amazing mosaics that were all throughout and a number of the mosaics were dating back all the way to the 11th century when St. Mark's bones were first preserved and kept at the basilica. You step out on the landing on the top of the church which we did and it is just an amazing view. So you go out on the top and you look out and you're very high up. You see parts of the Grand Canal, just one part because it goes down and it looks straight on the canal on one area. And then the piazza's on the other side. And it was just, it was really fascinating. And I loved it. Beautiful loved view. It. That was when we saw the big cruise ship go by too. Mm-hmm. I just sat there and watched because I was amazed that this huge cruise ship could go down that canal, even though it's huge. Yeah. I think they're starting to limit cruising are they? I've read some things about that, so I'm not 100% sure, but I know there's been some concern about it's either like too much tourism or the type of tourism and, hmm. and cruise ships being a particular issue. So when you go to Venice, we really rate this area, both the Piazza and St. Mark's Basilica, as a must-see. It's something you really, really must-see. You can visit the church itself the museum, the bell tower, all of these things you can visit. I, the bell tower had a little extra charge to it, I believe, if you wanted to go up. If you see most of the church, we're guessing about two hours to plan for. Including the museum. Yes, yeah. absolutely, including the museum, which I, I think is a must-see, too. It's a must-see. There is a modest fee for entry, although you can freely enter the basilica for prayers and mass, and that's without charge. Mm -hmm. And um, we almost didn't get in. We waited in line for a while and we got up to the front and there's a Venetian checking people in and he took one look at me and he said, no, 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 no. C 
couldn't go in. I was not problem? properly dressed. I was in some wrong attire. And they are strict on this. Very so, strict, yeah. So for women, no bare shoulders. You can't wear shorts. I had shorts on. Yeah, you were able to adapt I your had a dress. jacket. Yeah. And he said, he finally, he looked, he said, put the jacket around you. And he let me in. Yeah. So we talked about this with some of the other places we've spoken about previously in Rome, that if you plan on visiting the churches, do be aware of the dress codes before you go because they are enforced. Mm -hmm. And you want to make sure on the day of those visits, and there are certain codes both for men and for women, Mm -hmm. that you're attire and appearance is such that you can get in because mm-hmm. there's spectacular places to see. And, and they do post what the attire mm-hmm. should be. So you can look that up yeah. online too. So, you know, two of the places we already just spoke about, the Piazza San Marco and the Basilica of San Marco, which are you know, right in the same area. When you go to Venice, you're going to recognize this area is kind of like a central point. Once you venture out from these areas the lay of the landscape is so confusing because it's it's not laid out like a grid. There's no streets. It's extremely maze-like. And you and I, we, we spent a little bit of time being lost. Mm-hmm. But we knew that if we could get back to St. Mark's Square, we had a better sense of our bearings. So the one phrase that's very helpful to know in Italian is when you're in the, the area of Venice would be Dove San Marco, which is where is St. Mark's Basilica or Square. Mm-hmm. And uh, we used that several times. We were like lost. Where are we? And we'd bump into some Italian people, Dove San Marco, and they would point in a particular direction. <laughs> and in that direction, we would go. So it took th- us a while. Yeah. Dove is where. And when you're in Italy, if you want to know where is this or where is that, you're going to preface it with dove. So add that to your vocabulary and it will be helpful to you. In addition to the Basilica of San Marco, we also stumbled across another church, which was the San Maurizio Church, which inside also happens to have a museum of music. So this church houses a pretty impressive collection of musical instruments And myself being a musician, I'm always drawn to that world. So we spent some time looking at the ancient instruments that they house in this church. The museum specializes in the art of violin making, which was an art form that Venice was famous for for many centuries. The collection here includes many string instruments, violins and cellos, but there's also some other instruments, including harps and mandolins. The Church of San Maurizio itself was founded before the year 1000, though it's been rebuilt several times over the centuries. So another one of several other churches that can be visited in the Venice area. Another place that would be fun to go for you may be the Rialto Bridge. The Ponte di Rialto was one place we went to, and it is said to be the heart of Venice. This bridge remained the only way to cross the Grand Canal on foot until the Academia Bridge was built in 1854. The Rialto Bridge's 24-foot arch was designed to allow passage of galleys. It sits on top of nearly 12,000 wood pilings that still, to this day, after 400 years, still support that bridge. 
The bridge has three walkways and it includes a wide center walkway that leads between two rows of small shops that sell jewelry, linen, Murano glass, which we'll talk about, and other items for all the tourists that come to visit. It's one of those bridges that we were reminded of in Florence, which was the Ponte Vecchio, mm -hmm. because it had those shops all along it. So it, it kind of had that similarity between that bridge there, which yeah. is another famous bridge. Yeah, so I think just like Ponte Vecchio is iconic in Florence, the Rialto yeah. Bridge is iconic in Venice. Yeah, but if you do go, do know that this bridge consists primarily of steps. So it can be a challenge for people with strollers or somebody in a wheelchair or somebody that just has trouble managing steps. Mm -hmm. Another church that we walked into was the church of San Jeremia. And there was a particular feature at this church that I think you became aware of and it grabbed our attention. So we wanted to make sure that we had an opportunity to step inside and see this special something. Yes. One of the things that interests me that is particular to the Catholic faith is what we call incorruptibles. And incorruptibles are saints within our faith. Their bodies have stood the test of time and stayed... Like undecayed, undecayed after death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After years and years and years, some of them have weathered somewhat. The, their bodies have weathered somewhat. But I did know about the grave of Santa Lucia di Siracusa, who is celebrated in the church on December 13th and is known by the pilgrims to be the eye protector. The vision protector, yeah, kind of. Well, yeah, there's a story that goes with her martyrdom. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's why she's known as that. And so we uh, went there to this church and we noticed mass was being celebrated. Yeah. So we waited to the end. Saturday evening mass. Mm -hmm. And then we had a chance to go in and see this incorruptible body of St. Lucy before the church closed for the evening. So that was real special for yeah. me. We had a few moments. Few moments yeah. because they were closing up and they, you know, they didn't want a bunch of people come walking in. And one of the stories about her that is interesting happened fairly recent history. It was in 1981 when some criminals decided to come in and steal her body for ransom. Everything that happened came to a successful ending when the local police retrieved the saint's mortal remains the very same day of her celebration, which is December 13th. Santa Lucia's hometown is Siracusa in Sicily, and there are some Sicilians that would love to see her remains brought back to Sicily, but she's been in Venice for so long. That's something that hasn't happened. I don't know if it'll ever happen. I'm sure the Sicilians would love to see that, but you never know. So during our time in Italy, at least for myself, I found Venice to be probably the most relaxing part of our trip. Because you don't have the hustle and bustle of an urban center, you don't have cars whizzing by, you don't have all that chaoticness, you just have the serenity of the waterways, everybody's walking, it's a slower pace. 
you have a different speed at which to take things in. So there are the famous places to see, such as the ones we've talked about, the, the Basilica, the Piazza, there's some palaces, there's some museums. So there's lots to keep you busy as a tourist if you want to take in those types of attractions. You can also spend time just walking around, as we did. Mm-hmm. There's so much wonderful food to experience in Venice. Just strolling around, you're, you're in this landscape that is like no other. There's very few places that I've heard of on the planet that are like this. I think we've, we've come across some that we've seen like in Asia where there's mm-hmm. cities on water. Very this, different, though. Very different. This is probably, without question, the most famous and the most built up. It's something to see, for sure. It's a place for window shopping, for wandering, just enjoying the vibe. We came across street musicians as we were strolling the place. And I think we mentioned this earlier. There was a couple of times where we got lost. Now, the I don't even know if you call them streets or just, you know, walkways, but they go this way, they go that way, and there's like no rhyme or reason. And it's easy to find yourself in like this alleyway and not know which way is the way you're supposed to go unless, and we did not have this with us at the time, partly because I think when we visited Venice, we did not bring international cell phone coverage on our phones so we didn't have the gps available to us when we're in other places i would always look for some iconic building or or something that's high up so you can get a a feeling of which direction you're going in and, and where the layout of the city is and when you're in these narrow streets or alleyways or whatever you want to call it that visual isn't there yeah so So you just kind of wandering. This is probably a place where it pays to invest in international phone coverage so that you can have access to your GPS. I suppose you could download and we this epiphany didn't come to us until experiencing something like the Italian trip and then you know traveling later, but downloading maps in advance I think is another way to do that on your phone so that you don't necessarily have to have the cell coverage, but you could have the downloadable map, and I think the GPS will still work, I believe. So either that or having a map or knowing enough Italian to be able to ask Dove San Marco to get you pointed in the right direction. The only time it became concerning for us was there was one evening where it started to get a little late into the evening. We were in the maze didn't know which way to go. And I think for the most part, we felt very safe in Venice. It was a, it was a nice area. But I guess if there was a sketchy part of Venice, we found ourselves it. in it. So it was like, hmm, it's getting dark. This doesn't look right. We're in a place where there wasn't any people. And it's like, please, we have to get back to San Marco. We finally did. But um, it was yeah. just all of a sudden something opened up, I think. And we we're mm-hmm. just like, okay, wait, now I think I know where we're at. Yeah. And I think, you know, by the time we were in Venice, and this was the tail end of our Italian trip, we were so taken with Italy that, you know, we had some discussions about, geez, wouldn't it be wonderful someday to spend a month here or spend multiple months here? And it was when we were in Venice that we stumbled across a shop that was a a real estate store 
and they had the pictures in the window of what the rents were for places. And even just a couple of days ago, I got a curiosity. I went online to see, you know, what would it cost to rent an Airbnb type of place for a month? And there was places I was seeing even today where you can spend a month in Venice and there's more expensive places than this, but there were several places coming up for $2,000. So you could get like a small flat if you wanted to spend 30 days in a place like this. And what a wonderful place this would be to just go away for several weeks and just experience mm-hmm. the beauty of Venice. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's the train station there. So you could go off on day trips to other you parts could. of Italy. Yes. It would be interesting someday to spend an extended period of time in a hub somewhere in Europe. So maybe someday we'll have a chance to do that. It's still on my... It's your dream, I know. We've it, made many dreams come true, so... We have. Yeah. <laughs> we keep doing, <laughs> make, making dreams come true as long yeah. as we can. Yeah. So we've given you a little taste of Venice. One of the other things that's neat about Venice is not only can you take day trips, as you mentioned, from the train station, but you could take some neat day trips from Venice on the boats, as yes. we did. Yes. Like you said, we were there for a few days, so we took advantage of visiting some of the nearby islands in the area. We visited a couple. The first one was Barano, and it was about 40 minutes by boat from Venice. This historical fishing village is home to about 2,000 full-time residents. It is known for its lace products. It's also a wonderful place for photography because the buildings are very colorful which was, it was beautiful. Yeah, very bright colors. Yeah, yeah. very bright. And the, there's a reason for that. When the fishermen were coming back from their runs, they sometimes would get thick fog in the lagoons. So it was easier for them to find their homes through this thick fog by looking for specific building colors. Very clever. You'll find this island, as is the other island, very, very quiet and much quieter than Venice. There's just not a lot of people there. And we had a few opportunities to look in some shops there. Their lace is absolutely gorgeous. But don't expect to pay a small fee for this. These are items that take a very long time to make. They're handmade. Matter of fact, I saw one woman working on one in her little sh- in her shop. And very intricate So if you're spending less than $50 on a piece of lace, you're probably getting something that isn't a handmade product. Yeah, and there are not authentic lace products that are sold on the island. Mm -hmm. And one of the giveaways is the price that you're going to pay. So there's some homework you can do in advance if you're interested in buying something like that there. And if you want to make sure you're getting the real thing. So that would be something to study up on before you go. Mm-hmm. That is where I had, you know, I'm always into trying new things, right? You and I grew up, you had a Polish culture, I had a mostly Mexican culture, and I had never had sardines, although in Mexico there are sardines, but I had never had one. Yeah, that kind of stunned me when we yeah. <laughs> were there eating our sardine sandwich, and you told me this was the first time in your life you were eating sardines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were good. They were wonderful. I love yes. sardines. Yeah, I liked them. So Burano was one of the islands we visited, and on the same day, we would hop back on the Vaporetto and travel from Burano to the island of Murano, another nearby island that also has its own Grand Canal, although its Grand Canal has a lot less traffic than the one in Venice. Murano 
is most famous for its glass. Mm -hmm. And when you go to the island, there's a glass museum you can visit there. If you want to learn about the history of that craft on the island, there's a number of glass factories that will let you see the glassmaking practice right in front of your eyes. When we were there, we were seeing a glassmaker who was making a horse out of glass during our visit. So we spent a little bit of time watching him uh, do that wonderful uh, work with the glass blowing. And there is lots and lots and lots of glass product available on the island. You're going to find jewelry glass, lamp glass, decorative glass, glass wine stoppers, anything you can think of that could be made out of glass, you're probably going to find it on the island of Murano. And as you mentioned, on the other island where you want to do your homework if you're going to be buying lace products, they say to do the same thing if you want to buy glass products on Murano because it's also a situation where there's original Murano glass you can buy on the island, but there's also for sale, I guess, not authentic Murano glass. So if you want the real thing, do some homework to find out what to look for, where to buy, who are the reputable sellers. And if you buy an original piece of glass on the island, you can also arrange for shipping back home so that you don't have to worry about personally transporting your purchase mm -hmm. and risk breaking the fragile glass. Mm -hmm. Another tip about getting to these additional islands is using public transportation. So using the Vaporettos that carry over lots of people, because there's also the option to do water taxis, water transports that will just take you or a small, a very small group of people, but you're going to pay quite a bit more mm -hmm. for that. So if you want to keep the cost down, go on the public Vaporettos, and um, that's going to be your affordable way to get around. And if we had more time in Venice, we spent three days at least mm -hmm. in Venice. Um, we did not go to the Doge's Palace. We did not go to the art museums that are there. So that would be something if we had more time, we would do that. If that's the kind of thing that's of interest to you, you know, there's all kinds of things to fill up your time. And um, this was an area that I don't think we felt bored for a second. No, we could have done so much other things there, as you mentioned, and we will go back. I mean, that's one of the places you go back to. The other thing that we didn't do, and we talked about it when we were there, was we didn't take a gondola ride. No, we didn't. Which is, I think, one of those things that probably most people will plunk their money down mm -hmm, for to mm -hmm. do. Do you remember why we didn't? I don't remember why. I th we talked about it. Yeah. And it just, it never happened. I think for whatever reason, we didn't feel compelled like it was a thing we had to do. Yeah. I think we're getting enough stimulus from everything else. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, I, we saw many gondolas going down the canals. Yeah. And we spent so much time on the water on that 40-minute back-and-forth ride to yeah, the, we the island. Yeah, we went to the two islands, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and to our hotel in Lido. Mm -hmm. Which kind of leads into another tip. If you're going to go to Venice, don't go there with just a few hours to walk through the city and then leave. It is definitely not enough time to experience everything that's in Venice. Our tip is to make a plan to stay there several days. Yeah. I could see that if you're on some kind of one of these tourist groups going through Italy where they probably, you know, it's 
two days in Venice, and then we'll spend an afternoon in Florence, and then we'll spend an afternoon in Venice. Well, that's what kind of cruise ships do. You yeah. get off the ship, you walk around for a little bit, you get back on the ship, and yeah. you leave. I mean, you could probably see oh. San Marcos Piazza and maybe the Basilica, but there's there's so much more to experience mm-hmm. that you're going to miss it if you don't spend several days there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for sure, if you're going to spend the money for a plane ticket to get you all the way from... I'm, and we're assuming people listening are mainly from the States. A plane ticket from the States is expensive. Your time is valuable. You, you don't go to Italy every day and you don't, you don't go to a place like Venice every day. Take advantage of spending a little bit more time for what, for many people, it'll be a once in a lifetime experience. So instead mm-hmm. of just a few hours, enjoy it mm-hmm. more fully. Lodging. So I mentioned that we stayed on the island of Lido. So this whole Venice area, it's just multiple islands. A lot of the small islands are connected by bridges. Some of them you have to travel to. Our island of Lido was a 40-minute ride away, and it was on this island that the island itself was a little bit larger, so there was room there for cars to uh, to travel we had stayed at the Biasuti Hotel, which is a four-star hotel. It's got 67 rooms, very hospitable. It sits between the lagoon on one side and the Adriatic Sea on the other. It's a 10-minute walk to the boat services that can carry you over to St. Mark's Square and all the wonderful things in the heart of Venice. But this hotel is in a very nice, relaxing location. And I think fairly affordable for just the kind of place where it sits at. You know, I just looked up prices the other day, and if we were going to go there tomorrow, standard room rates run only a hundred euro. Which, when I think about recently, you know, what hotels are costing domestically when we travel, it seems to get a nice roommate these days. You're banging on the door of two hundred dollars to three hundred dollars, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and uh, we're not doing as much domestic hotel stays as a result but on the island of Lido, 100 euro is, is going to get you a, a beautiful place food on the island is absolutely amazing also we had some really amazing food there and i did have another first so that was uh one of the things that was exciting to me to try different things so obviously venice is particularly known for its seafood and there are certain things that you just, you won't find anywhere else. A couple of things stood out. At the restaurant La Isla de Oro, we had a fantastic fish dinner with an octopus salad. Another first for me. I love I octopus. Had, I know you do. Yeah. It, that was, a, that was a first and it was a little intimidating, but I enjoyed it. The most memorable part of the dinner was the wine in Italy. Yeah, well, and at this restaurant. At, especially at that restaurant. Yeah, this surprised it me. It was delicious. Well, it was... yeah, and the thing that was surprising about it is just about every single night that we were in Italy, we had wine with dinner, and you'd have you know this bottle and that bottle, mm-hmm. and the waiters were recommending certain wines to have mm-hmm. with our dinner. But when we got to this restaurant... It was the house? It was the house wine. The wine. It was and the, it was... So good. It, w- it was the best wine we had in the entire trip yeah. in Venice. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. It was very good. We would get up for breakfast, and mostly, I don't think Italy is a big breakfast country. They don't do yeah. the Denny's Grand Slam type of breakfast. No, and they yeah. don't do early breakfast either. A couple of times we had to find something. It was a little bit uh, on Lido. We would get up in the, mm-hmm. and find something on Lido. But we favored uh, these 
pizzettas, which were these little mini pizzas, and they had some tomato sauce and a little cheese, mushrooms, and and we had our morning coffees mm-hmm. with them. Mm, and so, that was fine. It worked yeah. well. The pizzettas seem to be a thing on Venice. Yeah, and the coffees are nothing like you'd find here when you go to Starbucks and you get your vente. Nothing like that was ever that size. And I think we were kind of perplexed, too, when we first were getting coffees and were, you know, what sizes do you have? And they really don't have a size. They just give you your coffee. Yeah, at least and, the places that we yeah. went to, we experienced, you know, more modest sizes than the uh, not as big. The, the massive yeah. venti that you get at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And our final meal, which was very sad. I remember it very vividly. Well, it was only sad because it was the final meal. It was meal. the final meal. The meal wasn't sad. But it was sad. In, Ven- in Venice, and I had a calamari that was completely whole. It wasn't chopped in pieces like you usually see. And that was a, another wonderful meal for me. And then you had, and I remember there was a couple next to us, and they had the dish and you looked over and you said, what is that? And the guy told you it was cuttlefish. So it's a Venetian-style cuttlefish, which is a cousin of the squid and the octopus. And it is prepared in the Venetian style, which means it is stewed in its own black ink. Mm-hmm. So we saw this dish and it was black, never like, s- like an ink. It never, was black. Never saw anything like that no. before. No, and you said, what is that? And the guy told you what it was and the waiter came and you said, I'll have that. And you had no idea what it was. I just knew that I wasn't going to get anything like that at home. Yes. And you enjoyed it. It was wonderful. Yeah. Which I is, took a bite too. I re- it was Yeah, which, which is so a, different. I think leads to another tip is... When you're in new places that serve foods that are different than what you're going to be able to find where you live, order that because that's your chance to have something different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Julie, how about some fun facts on the city of Venice? I love our fun facts. The word chow originated in Venice. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. It's the most famous Italian greeting actually originated in the city, and today it's heard all across the globe. Gondolas. So this is interesting. So Venetian gondolas have to be painted completely black by law, and becoming a gondolier is quite the difficult thing. So there's only three to four new gondolier licenses that are granted annually, The art of manning a gondola is a historic Venetian tradition in which applicants have to amass over 400 hours of training, undertake an apprenticeship with a master gondolier, and pass an exam. To date, there has only been ever one female gondolier. In 2010, Georgia Pascola, herself the daughter of a gondolier, made history by becoming the first woman to pass the strict exam to become a gondolier. If you are remotely suspicious, don't walk between the two columns holding the city's patron saint in Piazza San Marco. It used to be the place people were executed, so it's considered unlucky. Venice is sinking. Recent reports indicate that Venice is sinking up to two millimeters per year. So, like we mentioned a couple of months ago, You want to go to Montana to see the glaciers because there will be a day when the glaciers will be gone. So you'll want to make sure that you visit 
Venice before it becomes a museum under the sea. <laughs> and lastly, Venice was the home to the world's first public casino. Casino di Venezia is widely thought to be the oldest casino in the world, dating back to 1638. Having entertained rich and famous visitors to the city for centuries, the casino is now housed in a 1930s building, and the, its original site is the final resting place of the German composer Richard Wagner. Mm -hmm. So that's a little overview of Venice, a spectacular trip for us. So glad that we went. It holds so many memories. Just a wonderful place. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And we do have one more place that we visited in Italy that we're going to share with you, but we're going to save that for next time. We'll talk about a, a very spontaneous trip that we arranged during our time in Venice. So be back next time and we'll have one more Italian adventure to share with you. Until the next time, arrivederci. Ciao. If you have any comments or information to share with us about travel, you can write to us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram as The Places Where We Go. You can find us on Twitter as The Places Where One, the number one. And you can watch our travel adventures on YouTube, where our channel name is The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.